Today, we're speaking with Dr. Charles Roberts, Chair of Cardiac Surgery at Baylor University Medical Center, Dallas, Texas, about blueberries and blockages, an interesting title for a new manuscript he's working on. This is Heart Speak with Baylor Scott and White Heart and Vascular Hospital in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Prakash Chandran. So first of all, Dr. Roberts, you've piqued our curiosity. How did this manuscript title come about? Well, for many years, the number one uh, disease that I've treated is, uh, is called atherosclerosis. That's the medical word, but most people call it blockages. When I was growing up, the, um, the term was hardening of the arteries. And that term seems to have faded, but most patients would come into my office and say, I've got a blockage in my heart, or I've got a blockage in my neck, or I've got a blockage in my legs. And the disease they're speaking of is, the medical term is atherosclerosis, but it's a very difficult word to say. And so the lay public has adopted this word blockages, but the number one cause of death in the United States is heart disease from blockages in the coronary arteries of the heart. And, and, and that uh, particular disease, you know, I've treated my whole career doing bypasses, um, heart bypasses. I've also spent a good deal of time doing vascular surgery treating blockages in the neck, which is um, which occurs when you have atherosclerosis, this disease process, in the carotid arteries that go to the brain. And as it happens, the number one operation for, for, for all of heart surgery is a coronary artery bypass operation of the heart, and that's done to treat blockages. And the number one operation in vascular surgery is, a, it's called a carotid endarterectomy, and that's done to treat blockages in the carotid arteries that go to the brain. So you've got two major medical disciplines, and the number one operation in each of these subspecialties, in each of these specialties, is is to treat blockages. It's to treat this disease, which in medicine, we call atherosclerosis. So it's a very common um, condition. Yeah. Yes. So, so if I can uh, explain it back to you, atherosclerosis really just means a blockage, and that blockage is that hardening or narrowing of the artery. Um, and most people don't necessarily know how to pronounce that atherosclerosis, or that's a complex word. So they're just used to saying, "Hey, I have a blockage." Is that correct? That is exactly right. In other words. This, this disease, which is so prevalent in society, has a name which is very complicated, atherosclerosis. Um, in contrast, you know, people that have cancer just are able to say, I have cancer. It's right. a simple word, easy to say, but atherosclerosis is rather complicated. And so people, by default, will use expressions like, I have heart disease. And, but that's not very specific. That's a very general term. But the disease, you know, that, that, that we treat uh, the most of is blockages. Uh, I have to ask, uh, you know, we've talked about the blockages part of your manuscript, but what about the blueberries? 
Well, see, you see, that's the dichotomy here. Um, blueberries are one of the top foods that that w w we can eat, and blockages is the top disease, and 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 so it's a sort of um, it's a play on words, really. If we adopted a diet in which we eat the top ten foods on a regular basis. And, and blueberries is among those top 10 foods in virtually every list, then we're less likely to get blockages. Hmm. And so, so that's the concept here. It's trying to emphasize that blockages or atherosclerosis is a dietary disease. And so we sort of determine our fate uh, by what we eat. That is so interesting. You know, um, we, and we've always heard this as well. You know, we are uh, what we eat. And, um, and I'm hearing from you that atherosclerosis or these blockages are a result of that. Um, I'm curious as to what are some of the other reasons uh, and also what are the typical symptoms that one might experience when they have these blockages? Well, it, it's interesting that um, most people that come into my office um, they're generally adults between 60 and, well, 55 and 75. And they have very little understanding of how they got blockages. I mean, most people will say, well, it, I, I, you know, I inherited this. And that's, I would say, uh, four out of five people blame it on their parents. They inherited it. But if the truth be known is that they probably ate the same foods. They eat the Western diet, which, which is what we would call atherogenic. It promotes atherosclerosis. It promotes blockage. And if you were to say, well, why does, what is the number one cause of blockage? It, it, it's probably best to think of it as uh, the only direct risk factor is high cholesterol. In other words, you have to have a high cholesterol to get this disease. And what do I mean by high? Well, any total cholesterol over 150 or any LDL over 100, then you're you're at risk for getting atherosclerosis. Now, there is there there's a medley of what what one might call indirect risk factors. Obesity diabetes mellitus, tobacco, high blood pressure, low HDL. These are what might be called indirect risk factors. You can have them and they can accelerate the atherosclerotic process, but you have to have uh, elevated cholesterol to get the disease. It's really a dietary disease. Uh, there, is an, there is an hereditary component uh, there are certain people that are, are born without the proper number of receptors in their liver, so they can't metabolize the cholesterol, and they they walk around with extremely high cholesterol levels. But those genetic patients are probably no more than one in 200. The rest of us, it's environmental. 
Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you say that. You know, my father actually had a heart incident a couple of years ago, and he had always said that it was hereditary because his dad died from a heart attack at 55. Um, but, you know, being a vegetarian for most of his life, he thought he was eating uh, healthy. But, you know, potentially over time, um, he's has been putting in like foods that are high cholesterol, potentially lots of sugars and things like that. So I'm assuming that this is something that just built over the majority or mm -hmm. the latter part of his life and uh, snuck up on him and then caused this incident, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's a slow, silent, progressive disease. Right. And people are, um, and it, it generally, at least in terms of blockage in the heart, so to speak, blockage in the coronary arteries of the heart, this condition uh, presents itself in one of three ways. You can get what we call angina. That just means pain. Angina pectoris is chest pain. You can get chest pain. And that's the best way for this to come to our attention because there's no muscle damage. You just get pain, for example, when you walk upstairs and then it stops when you stop. That, that's one way the disease can present itself, angina pectoris. The second way is a heart attack. And a heart attack means muscle damage. It means the artery shut off, muscle died, and uh, that's what a heart attack is. It, the medical word is myocardial infarction, an MI, they say. Now, the third way this blockage in the coronary arteries can present is sudden death. You know, you're eating your Rice Krispies in the morning, and boom, sudden death. So there is an expression, the blessing of angina, meaning that it, it, the disease comes to our attention before a heart attack or sudden death, and we're able to do something about it. We can put a stent in, we can do a bypass, we can put you on uh, lipid-lowering drugs, these kind of things. So from the heart standpoint, those are the three main symptoms. Now, if you want to talk about the brain, you blockage in the carotid arteries, well, you can get what they call uh, TIAs, which are temporary ischemic attacks, meaning that um, maybe a little bit of the plaque flipped off and went north, and you kind of lost movement of your right arm for an hour, and then it came back. That's called a TIA. And the other main main way it can present is simply a stroke. Mm -hmm. Um you know, blockage in the carotid arteries of the neck can cause a stroke. So those are the those those are the two main areas I think we've talked about: the heart and the brain, the brain yeah. attack or a heart attack. But you know, there's also the legs. I mean, you can get blockage in the arteries going to the feet, and when you get when you get um, you know the equivalent of angina in the legs is called claudication. It means you've got a narrowing in let's say the femoral artery. And when you walk, you get pain in your muscle down there. And then when you stop, it goes away. That's called claudication. And the equivalent of a heart attack down in the, down in the legs is gangrene. So I'd like to move on to treatment and prevention measures. Yeah. Um, let's start with some of the medications that might be available to those that are suffering with some of these blockages. I would say that all, all people with atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries or blockage, whichever term you prefer to use, um, need to think of it as a, uh, it's a whole body disease. It's not just in one particular area. Think of it as a diffuse, uh, we would use the word systemic uh, process. 
And so that requires systemic treatment, which means uh, a, um, a good diet, a proper diet. And in some cases, if you're not able to bring those cholesterol levels down, then adding a, a statin drug, um, which, uh, you know, has the ability in some cases to bring down uh, the uh, cholesterol levels as much as 50%. Hmm. And when we say a good diet, what does that mean? Can you tell us like uh, the optimal nutrition plan or what you tell your patients around what they should be eating on a day-to-day basis? Well, this is a very challenging um, situation because we live in a world where this, you know, the top 10 foods that taste good are probably uh, nine of them are not good for us. Mm. So it's an extremely <laughs> challenging situation. But I would, I, I would say that the closer you can get to a plant-based diet, the better. You know, there's an expression, uh, um, eat less, mostly plants. I mean, that, that's a probably a good uh, starting point. Um, you know, just on practical levels, I, I try to tell my patients, you know, instead of, um, you know, eating meat three times a day, why don't you limit it to once, one meal a day? Um eat all the fruits and vegetables you want. One of my colleagues here at Baylor, uh, Dr. McCullough, always preaches, you know, avoid the three S's, uh, sugar, starch, and saturated fats. Absolutely. You know, just as we wrap up here, I, I just wanted to talk about, I mean, I think the one primary thing that I've learned here is that atherosclerosis or blockage or whatever you decide to call it is a, a dietary disease. And so, you know, yes, indeed. let's, can you talk a little bit um, more just as we close here around the importance of taking early steps to lower the risk, uh, especially with diet and manage with the help of a specialist? Yes. Um, I think it's probably sensible um, in early adulthood to get a, get a lipid panel, check and see what your lipid levels are. And you always want your total cholesterol under 150 and your LDL cholesterol under 100. Now, if you can, you know, keep those, keep those two numbers in those ranges, total under 100 and, excuse me, total under 150 and, and LDL under 100, you know, you're, you're radically lowering your risk of atherosclerosis. And obviously, these other indirect factors like obesity, well, keep your, you know, body mass index under 25. You know, two-thirds of Americans it's, are either overweight or obese. But if you can keep your body mass index uh, under 25 um, and keep your blood pressure under 140 over 90, these kind of other, and, and obviously uh, no tobacco. Tobacco is a plant, but it, it's addictive and it, it, it accelerates atherosclerosis. And, you know, when I do coronary bypasses in people in their 40s, almost invariably they smoke tobacco. I just had a clarifying question. You know, when you get your physical, are you automatically given a lipid panel? You know, I'm 38 years old and I don't think I've ever had one before. Is this something I should be asking for? I would. I mean, if you're over 30 and you go get a physical, I would ask for a lipid panel because, you know, you're talking about the number one cause of death in the United States and you're talking about in general, the Western diet is atherogenic. So if you, if you can't 
get that total under 150 or the LDL under 100 by being a vegetarian, or you can't modify your diet enough to achieve those numbers, then you might want to consider taking a statin. Got it. And and just as we close here, is there anything else that you would like our audience to know about lowering their risk of getting atherosclerosis? I would just say that uh, just be mindful that it's a dietary disease and that we make choices every day mm. on what sort of um, nutrients we put in our body and to do your best to um, lean toward more plant-based, limit meat to once a day, and um, th- that's probably your best bet, and avoid processed food. It's probably your best bet to um, lower your risk of atherosclerosis. Well, fantastic advice. Really appreciate the time today, Dr. Roberts. That's Dr. Charles Roberts, Chair of Cardiac Surgery at Baylor University Medical Center, Dallas, Texas. Thanks for checking out this episode of HeartSpeak. To find a specialist on the medical staff at Baylor Scott and White Heart and Vascular Hospital in Fort Worth or Dallas, please visit BaylorHeartHospital.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. Thanks, and we'll talk next time.